Hey, St. John. Welcome to the Post-Sermon Podcast. I am Deaconess Dahlia, and with me today is Pastor Adam. Hi, Deaconess. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm great. We're back from the youth gathering. We are. We just got back on Thursday, and today's Sunday now. We're recording after church, which is rare for us to do. That's early. We'll see if uh, post-production is any earlier. Yeah, but do you want to tell our listeners a couple of highlights from the trip? Well, we drove how many hours to Houston? 18. 18. So we uh, road tripped it out and back. And what I love about the gathering is it's a gathering of our church body uh, around the country and the world. And so we had about 20,000 teenagers and youth participants. Uh, and so it's always neat to kind of take over a city altogether and worship and Bible study and so on. I think my favorite part was getting to commune with 20,000 people. Yeah. I always love the the gathering always closes with a full-on church service. And yeah, for the past several gatherings, I've had the opportunity to help assist with distributing communion. And I have a picture, I don't know if I showed you, it's of all the pastors and assistants for the communion service. There's about 130 pastors who volunteered to help. Um, And so we took up a whole section of the stadium for our training that morning. That's really cool. Well, and that's also why we had to take a little bit of a break from our podcast was that took up a whole week, all the traveling and the gathering itself. But uh, Deaconess, we are back and hopefully to our regularly scheduled programming. That's right. So we're going to be discussing the sermon from today, which was over the gospel reading of Mary and Martha. And I'm sure a lot of us are pretty familiar with it. Um, Is there anything else about that text that you preached on that you just like to bring up before we dive into your sermon? I think what I want to bring up is the common way that the text is approached, and I tried my darndest not to go down that route. And that is to kind of pit Mary and Martha against each other of, don't be like Martha, be like Mary, that's the lesson, and off you go. And, and the trouble with that reading of the, of the text is it's just all law. It just leaves the hearer with, okay, don't be like Martha, be like Mary. And it's just more what we have to do and very little about the Savior who's there saving both Mary and Martha. And so I was really concerned with how to go about that text without uh, going down that familiar path that I think misses the, the goal of the text, which is, of course, Christ. So you tried to avoid having this text be law-oriented about we should be more like Mary, not like Martha. So then... Tell us, what would you say the central teaching is of that text and that you had also in your sermon? Especially within the sermon itself, the central teaching is that Jesus, he does not fix your guilt, he forgives it. Part of that is relying on the fact that Mary and Martha are both sinful people, and sinful people have guilt no matter what. And so that's just that's just a reality that's there, and that guilt can manifest itself. And at least in this instance, we see that guilt kind of pour forth a little from Martha in her interaction with Mary, but we should not assume that, well, Martha was always this way or Mary was always this way. You know, we all have our good moments and not good moments. We have those moments when we are at our best and those moments when we embarrass ourselves in front of other people. And it's, um, that's why I wanted to focus on the, the reality of guilt because it just, it, it pervades all of us. And so, of course, it's going to pervade this reading too. And that's something I kind of wanted to bring up when we do hear the Mary and Martha story, at least personally, I don't think of Martha's guilt 
in it. But can you tell us where in the reading you think she's mentioning her guilt? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, while the, the word guilt is not used in the reading, and some of this is a little bit of inferring on my part, you know, when Martha brings up her criticism of Mary, and again, it's not just they're having a, a disagreement between both of them. She's bringing it up in front of Jesus. You know, we think about, you know, kids bringing up, you know, complaints about their brother, sister, and friend, their parents. You know, it's kind of one of those situations. or It's it's a triangulation of sorts. It's, it's a manipulative, you know, you can kind of see it that way. It's a manipulative tactic. And why do we do those sorts of things? And, you know, there could be a variety of reasons. You know, the text doesn't say. And, you know, one could just be Martha is trying to hold up how how great she is compared to Mary. I think that's a route. Or could, But I think more so, you know, our probably our biggest proclivity is we like to justify ourselves. And Martha knows she should receive the word of Jesus in that moment. And she isn't. And instead of admitting that and receiving forgiveness, she's trying to act out of that guilt. And that was kind of how I took her words this time around. And I could see if someone hears a different tone or a different slant from Martha. And that's why I didn't lean so much, okay, here's Martha, she's clearly guilty. But I went back to Adam and Eve at the beginning. When Adam blames Eve, what's Adam acting out of? He's acting out of his guilt. He's acting out of his self-justification. And Adam's sin is all of our sin. And that's kind of how I, I got to the idea of guilt. Um but yeah, it's not as explicit in the text, for sure. Uh, but the, the reality of guilt and the forgiveness from it, that's a biblical theme through and through. And one way you described guilt or, or talked about guilt was you told this really moving story about this mother and her son, and the mother really was wrestling with guilt. Right. And what were other people trying to do about this guilt that she felt? Yeah, so you had this uh, mother. I'll make sure to post a link uh, to this podcast episode I referred to. I, I commend it to everyone. You've heard it too, Deaconess. Yes, and it's incredible. Yeah, uh, it's um, yeah, it's hard not to listen to it and not you know, get a little teary-eyed at points uh, because uh, sin is that damaging and forgiveness is that uh, you know powerfully undeserved and powerfully healing. And this is why we have confession absolution. So you have this woman, she approaches a guy named Stephen, and she shares about her son who has a severe attention deficit disorder. And she is absolutely convinced that by drinking a glass of wine during pregnancy, that that caused the disorder. Everyone in her life is telling her, no, that's not what happened. That's not your fault. And just trying to explain away the guilt. And no matter what you think of this woman or her story or her reasoning, she has guilt. And there are so many times in our lives where people are experiencing guilt. And whether you think that they deserve to feel guilty or not, it doesn't matter. They have guilt. And one of the most powerful things that we can do as Christians is speak the forgiveness of Christ. Uh, at this point in the podcast, uh, Paulson, when he introduces the story, his name is Stephen Paulson. When he introduces the, the story, he brings up the idea of, you know, is it okay to speak absolution to the victim? You know the, the you know the victim of course has been re- you know receiving the harm receiving the sin and and is it okay to absolve the victim they didn't do anything wrong and that's where he gets into this story 
here is kind of a, an example of this. And at least in some of my experience in, in hearing through this podcast and so on, um, that's just how messy guilt is. It just eats at us. And, and whether it, you know, it's logical or not, or you know, the forgiveness of Christ overrides. And the forgiveness of Christ is that powerful. And there are times in our lives as Christians when we should speak forgiveness, even when we want to try to explain it away. When we want to try to justify it. No, it's not your fault. Or don't worry about it. Because what you're doing is you're just actually giving law. And the gospel just kind of cuts through all of it. And the gospel actually brings the healing that nothing else can. Yeah, I like about what, what you said about guilt. And we've all heard terms like false guilt. We feel guilty for feeling guilty. Yeah. Or all this stuff. And sometimes it's plainly directly our fault. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes we're the victim. But then I was also thinking just all of humanity, we have inherited guilt. So we all bear responsibility, even if there are situations where not, we're not directly guilty. And maybe that's part of the reason why we feel that, even when it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I think that's really fair. So yeah, you're bringing up how because of Adam's sin, we have all inherited Adam's guilt. And that's absolutely true. Um, not only have we been corrupted because of Adam's sin, this is why we sin too, we also bear his guilt, even though we didn't uh, commit the first sin. We still bear the guilt of it. And yeah, it just always weighs on us and nags at us. And there are just times in our lives when we we can't even make sense of our guilt. And I know I shouldn't feel this way, and yet I do. When you find yourself in a place like that, the last thing you want someone to tell you is, well, you shouldn't feel that way. Or it's not your fault. You know, how often do you, you know, like the, the survivor's guilt or something? It's not your fault. You made it out of the accident and that person didn't. Or as Christians, we actually have a salve. We actually have something that actually brings healing. At times, the, the absolution can just seem like this isn't what's needed, and yet it's absolutely what's needed. You know, that, that's kind of how the gospel is. It just breaks in uninvited. <laughs> You'll kind of notice that in sermons that sometimes you know, you're going along in the sermon, and all of a sudden, boom, the gospel just kind of breaks in. There's not even really a good transition to it. Yeah, the gospel, it's, 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 a, it's a breaking in. Um, it's a... It's unexpected. And as human beings, we have this tendency to not look for absolution, to not... The, the way we try to get rid of our, our guilt is all of these different ways. We justify ourselves. We, um, we explain it away. We, we try to fix it. We, we say it's not, not your fault, all of those things. But I love what you said about just the gospel breaks in, uninvited, and takes that away from us, right? Puts it on Jesus instead. Yeah, I'm just having a flashbacks to that podcast episode and some of the other stories. And I, I remember one story where one of the people there was saying how he spoke the forgiveness of Christ in someone's life and the person's response after having shared all these things that they've done. And he's like, no, no, you can't do that. He's like, well, I just did. I mean, like, I mean, the gospel just breaks in, it's uninvited, and yet that's exactly what we need to hear. Didn't he say, I'm going to just keep on absolving you until you do believe it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, and, and that's, that's kind of why I ended the sermon the way I did, was we struggle so much to actually trust that it really has been forgiven. That, that guilt, that's been paid for too. And this is why, as Christians, we hear the absolution repeated. This is why we proclaim Christ repeatedly in the sermons and it's christ for you 
And that's why if the sermon was just go and be like Mary, oh, we just, you just condemned your hearer. You just left them in the law and not in the gospel. Bring us to either despair or self-righteousness. Something else that you brought up in your sermon was the hospitality of Mary and Martha and the humanity that both of them have as well. Can you go into more detail about that? Yeah, this was part of my attempt to uh, move away from the Mary and Martha stereotype and to remember that Mary and Martha were real women. <laughs> they, are, they are sisters in Christ. And yeah, it's five verses, but Luke takes the time. I mean, it's not just there's a blind man or a lame man or the deaf mute man or um, a woman with bleeding for 12 years. It's He names these women. We're in their house. <laughs> it's it's so personal and real and just a reminder of um, they open up their home to Jesus. How many people get to do that, <laughs> you know, in, in Luke's gospel? And, uh, and they receive their Lord. And while, you know, we may have some discussion about Mary versus Martha, they're both trying to welcome the Lord into their home. And that should be recognized for what it is. You know, the, the, you know, the psalmist, I was glad when they say, let us, you know, let us go to the house of the Lord. Well, what happens when the Lord comes to our home? I mean, it's, it's, it's beautiful. And I wanted to try to restore some of the humanity there and not pit Mary and Martha against each other so much, but to see that they are conducting themselves as Christians are, which is a life of hospitality, a life of receiving, receiving their Lord, receiving the stranger, welcoming the newborn that's been baptized, welcoming the adult convert into the faith. We are, we are a people of hospitality. And it's, it's beautiful to see that in Luke. You know, I did not make this connection during the service when you were preaching, but right now when you were talking about the Lord Jesus coming to their home, this was in our Old Testament reading as well. Yes. Genesis 18. Yes. Where the three men... Um, come to, to Abraham and to Sarah, and he welcomes them in their home, and he calls them the Lord. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just so interesting that we can see that hospitality offered by Abraham as well, um, and just, like you said, welcoming God in, into into their home is cool. It's, it's very cool, and, and I encourage you, go back to your uh, Genesis 18, go back to your Bibles, and you know when Lord is all capitalized, it's the word, it's the name Yahweh. And in that reading, sometimes it's just you know your normal spelling with Lord with a capital L and lowercase letters. And later on, it's it's capital 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 Lord, and it's Yahweh who speaks. A lot of Christian artists try to speak of this as you know is the Trinity. You know you know Yahweh the, the you know God is present with Abraham. And yeah, it's, I loved that pairing this morning of, of Abraham and Sarah welcoming in the Lord into their home. And now here's Mary and Martha, and here's the incarnate Lord in the flesh amongst them. Right. And both readings have the, the sins of them, too. You know, you see Sarah, Sarah's unbelief, right? And then Mary and Martha as well with their, their spat that you were talking about earlier. So good. Uh, and and. Kind of going off of that, why why did you decide to pick this text over Genesis 18? We also had that awesome passage from Colossians. Any particular reason? Uh, that's a good question. I hadn't preached on it before, so it's always fun to preach on something you haven't. And you're trying to focus on Gospel of Luke, too, 
right now, correct? Yeah, and that's that was going to be the other answer is a while back I did a Luke Bible study, and some of that was uh, preparatory in that knowing that Luke comes up in the lectionary, um, I have quite a bit of, you know, resource and, you know, my notes and handouts and, and reading done in Luke. And so my hope was back then, yes, to do the Bible study through Luke, but also it help with future preaching opportunities. So I do intend to spend a fair bit of time in Luke in these coming weeks uh, for that purpose. Tell me something about the text that did not make it into the sermon. I did not go specifically into what is the difference between Mary and Martha. And I referenced, you know, we just kind of turned them into categories and stuff. And that's part of the why I didn't. However, we do see with Mary and Martha a reminder of what is the Christian life. And the Christian life is first a posture of reception. We receive God's gifts. When we talk about church service being the divine service, that God is serving us his forgiveness and his love and his grace. We see that with Mary. She's sitting at Jesus' feet receiving his word. And that's, you know, that's why we do hold up Mary in the series, why Jesus holds her up, not because she did something great, but because she's passively receiving and Christ is the one acting. You know, as much as they welcome Jesus into their home and are hospitable to him, it's his home, it's his world, it's his creation, and he has put them in this creation and he is redeeming them from their sin. You know, that's always true. And so I didn't go into that because I didn't want to deal with the trying to not categorize Mary and Martha so much, but the Christian life is a life of reception. And on top of it, it doesn't mean that Mary never sinned. It doesn't mean that Martha never sat and received at Jesus' feet. We just have just this one small episode in Luke, and it's you know, the only time we have these two together like this. I was wondering if you had considered other parts of the gospel where Mary and Martha are brought up. And I'm, I'm talking specifically about their brother Lazarus when he died and they were able to see the Lord raise him from the dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's a really good question. Honestly, I, I didn't even think about it. That could be a sermon in its own right of you have these different episodes of Mary and Martha. I don't know if they're both at the tomb or not. You know, Mary Magdalene is for sure. I can't remember if Martha is, and it depends on which gospel you're reading, if she's there or not at all. But that could be a sermon in its own right of kind of visit Mary and Martha in these different stages. Yeah, I just honestly didn't think about it. I think that we need to compare the two episodes. I think looking at John 11 also shows Martha's faith, and she recognizes that there will be a resurrection. And the Lord Jesus tells her, I am the resurrection and the life. And honestly, the other reason I probably didn't think about it is one thing I do try to do personally in my preaching is if I'm preaching from a specific gospel, I do try to stay within that specific gospel. And that's not brought up in Luke. No, it's, it's John 11. And just the reason being that Luke is telling his story, he has his agenda, and he has his themes that he's emphasizing. And so like when I went to the cross uh, later on, I made sure to take quotes from Luke, you know, when the religious leaders speak and, and so on. You know. But no, that, that would be a fine sermon as well, or a fine reflection. And maybe encourage you all at home, compare John 11 to Luke 10, and just contemplate our, our sisters in Christ and that their interactions with our Lord. Uh, I think that'd be a, a fine thing to do. I'm not saying you can't jump around in the Gospels. Uh, my point is each gospel does have a, a story to tell and just make sure we let that story come through. And yeah, maybe next time around I'll do a, a comparison of the scenes between Mary, Martha, and Luke 10 and John 11. So thank you for writing the sermon for three years from now, Deaconess. <laughs> You're welcome. So I think you might've touched on this a little bit, but what was the challenge for you with the sermon process? 
Was it to try to not, or you just mentioned trying to stay away from stereotypes? Was that part of it or? I mean, it, it's hard not to go the legalistic route. It's, it's really difficult, especially just how the reading ends because Jesus is like, hey, Mary chose the better way. This is the gospel of the Lord. And, you know, and like, what do, what do you do with that? And it's so tempting too with the parables. Yes. I feel like we're always wanting to take the legalistic route and put us at the center of them. So I can see that with any reading, yeah. but in particular this one. Yeah, last Sunday we weren't here, but gospel reading would be the Good Samaritan. And at the end of it, Jesus is like, hey, go and do likewise. Yeah. You know, and if it's just and if it's just law and not gospel, we're in trouble. Yeah, and it's not to say there's never a law. No, of course there is. Uh, but the main point, keep this Christ-centered, see see what the gospel is. Mm-hmm. In part, and sometimes when Jesus tell, tells us these commands, go and do likewise. Okay, good example. Follow these steps. Ultimately, we can't. At the end of at the end of the day, we can't be like that Samaritan. Mary was not always in that faithful place of reception, because we have all inherited Adam's guilt and corruption. We need someone who is without guilt and without corruption, and he happens to be sitting in Martha and Mary's home. Well, this wraps up the episode for today. Thank you for listening to today's discussion. In case you missed today's sermon or would like to listen to it again, the link to the sermon is in the show notes. Pastor is also going to share a link of the Absolution podcast that we talked about in this episode. And please, you can also find the sermon on our church website, stjohndoublet.org. If you, the listener, would like to submit a question about a sermon, please email us at podcast at stjohndoublet.org. Uh, and Thank you, Pastor, for joining me and for feeding us the word this week. Yeah, thanks, Deaconess. And uh, I think this week, uh, Vicar Allen moves to Dublin. Woohoo! Yeah, so he'll be installed next Sunday, and we'll probably do some sort of a welcome episode. So we'll have to Definitely. come up with lots of good questions for him and, you know, test him right off the bat. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Sounds good. All right, bye. Bye.